Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Campbell with Holy Loved Ministries, and we're passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We'd love to connect with you online or on social media. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. You can also visit our website and join one of our online virtual Bible studies. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. But look around you, your family, your faith. They're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. With me today is Carolyn Whitney. She's the founder and CEO of Sisters in Christ, Inc., a nonprofit founded in 1997 by four Black spirit-led and faith-filled women in Kansas City, Missouri. Carolyn, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Kelly, for the invitation. I have so enjoyed just kind of reading about your life and getting and reading about your organization. But I tell you what, you have a life experience that's kind of straight out of a reality TV show. And you were literally an NBA basketball wife when you were married to Charles Hawkeye Whitney. He played for the the Kansas City Kings. Absolutely. I am sure for someone like me, especially that was on the outside looking in, I'm sure you guys had a very enviable life, but evidently it wasn't all as it seems. Can you share that story with us? I'd be more than happy to. In fact, it's where I've landed in the last few years of my life. I realized that we have opportunities to grow from pain. And so that is definitely where I would say I've landed at this point in my life. When I married Mr. Whitney, we were 23 years old, entering college. And just I've never really been a ball fan, <laughs> but I just happened to meet a man that liked playing basketball. And we were very young. I would say we started in high school, high school sweethearts and went on to him going to one college. I went to another and then getting married when we were 23. I would say after his first almost second year of playing, he had an injury and that injury caused him to do something he had not done prior to us being in college. He was not a drug user. And so I think when you ask the question about that lifestyle, that lifestyle created something for him that I wasn't familiar with either. And that was substance abuse. And it led from substance abuse to him being injured and just going through a very, very dark time in his life, which also affected my life, not knowing it. I was a mother of one at the time. 
And just substance abuse has its own dynamics. And so after so many years of it, I think we were married almost 20 some years. I just didn't have any more answers. I didn't know what to do. It was a very humiliating kind of lifestyle because I called it living in a glass house. I didn't have anybody really I could talk to about it. And that time, which was around in the early 80s, that was one of those things you just didn't tell everybody. And the church especially did not understand it. And so even though we may have gone for counseling and things like that, it still wasn't an area that most pastors were ready to deal with. And so we ended up separated, then divorced. And during the divorce time, he actually ended up in prison for a robbery and for substance use. Stayed in prison for six years. Now, the thing that I always found to be interesting was I had talked to one of his probation officers and she asked me, she said, this is such a good man. He is so kind. Do you ever plan on getting back with him? I thought that was a weird thing to say. And so in that process, maybe a few years later, we began to write each other and talk to each other. And believe it or not, we remarried again. And after that, I mean, and it was just a good thing, I think, at that time. We both had been married before and so had married again and divorced. And so trying to come back together again was like a really I thought would be OK. But it was and it was difficult because, again, you can go to prison and not come out of prison, if that makes any sense. Uh, and I just felt like that was his experience. He was a good guy. He's kind, all of that. But I think he landed somewhere, I know he did, that he didn't expect to land and he never came out because when he came back into community, his thought process was that he would be able to land on his feet and just do everything, make up for that time and get back where he was. And this is what I have found to be difficult in the arena that I work in, that we can get places and think that. Substance abuse is just people don't want to get off drugs or they just, you know, are being irresponsible and all of that. No, substance abuse is a mental health issue. Just like if you had schizophrenia or if you had a bipolar, it's not something you just get off of. It's not. It requires treatment. It requires counseling. It requires people having an opportunity to walk through whatever the pain is that's causing that. And so that's what I learned in this process with him. And I believe it's what has led me to doing what I do today. I had seen so many transitions with him and uh, it just got to the point that I knew I couldn't live with it anymore. It was just too much for me. You can love somebody so much and feel like, can you help them? And if you can't help them, then it makes it difficult. And so you have to choose at some point, sometimes in this life with a loved one or a family member You know, are you going to live? Are you going to be able to wait this thing out? Or do you, you know, need to move on for your own life? So I felt like at that time in my life, I had tried it twice and I was ready to live. 25 years of my life, I had given to that and I was just ready to move forward. I had a son, had two sons at the back three, and I just didn't want to continue to carry them through that. It affects your children. It affects you. It affects those that are around you. And it's just one of those things you just have to know how much and how how much time do you stay invested in that process. I would say today that he's clean. He's living a good life. He's a good person. We're great friends. He lives in Florida and I live in Kansas City. And it's good. It's a good thing. So people do come out, but you can't put a time limit on it. You can't determine when they're ready. 
And believe it or not, some people lose their lives to this addiction process. So again, it's just something that I stay very prayerful about. I seek God about everything. And during that season, I got saved. The Lord saved me when I was 25. And I remember that life had gotten so heavy on me that I had kind of asked the Lord. I said, God, save me or kill me. Do one or the other. Because I was tired. I didn't know what to do. And he chose to give me life. He chose to save me. And so I'm here today and I'm grateful and I am thankful. That's such an amazing story of just reconciliation. And more so than that, it's an amazing story of wisdom. I think a lot of times we are scared to give up on somebody, but we're not really giving up. We're having to step back. And you mentioned that you were a mom and you had to protect your children. And what were some of those fears that you had as a mom during that time? I had three black male children. I didn't want them to go to prison. I did not want anybody to kill them. And I didn't want them to kill anybody. I wanted them to be educated. I wanted them to have great self-confidence. And I wanted to make sure they were provided for. And I found that it required a lot of me. I worked three jobs, two, three jobs most times, just trying to hold it together for us. I keep them in good schools, keep them, you know, feeling good about themselves. And not having male mentors there was hard, too. So a lot of that fear was tied to, you know, just having to trust the process. I wasn't the mother that was at home cooking cookies and they come home from school and I'm there to talk to them. And I would say today, one of my greatest fears have been I've pretty much gone through the healing process. But even as I'm speaking to you now, it's like a tear kind of rises up in me because now my boys, my men, my young men, they're going through the process of their healing because it was a journey for them and they're looking for answers and they're trying to figure out, you know, what did they miss and why wasn't a father there? and Why wasn't it this there? And, and so when they come to me, sometimes that pain, it gets reactivated. And so I've had to learn to listen to their pain, to their anger and not be triggered by it. That's what I've had to learn, because if I want true healing in my family, then that means that I'm not being a martyr either. I'm just learning that they deserve answers just like anybody else. They need to know they were babies. And one of my sons said, Mama, don't forget, we were right there with you when you were going through that pain. And so they need opportunities to heal just like I needed opportunities to heal, just like their fathers need opportunity to heal. I knew one thing, bitterness was not something that I needed to carry. And I didn't want them to carry bitterness either. I want them to be able, because when you've got anger and bitterness, it's difficult to really move forward in life. And so it's always been about healing for me. I trust God to heal me. I trust God to heal them because that can become a generational issue if you're not careful. And so again, if I'm asking God to heal us generationally, then I sometimes felt like I needed to stand in position with this thing I knew he had brought me through and I don't, I just keep praying. I just keep seeking God. I keep talking to the Lord about it in their behalf because I don't want their children to be affected. I don't want the women they're with to be affected. I've asked God to give them great wives and great relationships and their children have great relationships. So sometimes you just have to go through the process. And I believe that's a process of healing that God has called us to do, even when we don't understand it. Absolutely. 
And it's such a, much like your ex-husband's walk, it has to be on their timing. It has to be something they're ready for. So I know as a mom, it has to be hard to watch sometimes when you're seeing them go through the pain and you're seeing them go through the process. What are some ways? You, you mentioned that you're praying for your their, their future wives and you're praying for your future grandchildren. What are some other ways that you can trust God to heal? in yourself and in your children and in others that you've walked through. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. You know, I've just learned to get quieter. (laughs) I get quieter because I can listen. When you put yourself in a position to hear, really hear not only what's going on, what God is saying, but to hear and be present and know when to step away and intervene for your families. We don't have to Bible whip our family members. We don't have to Bible whip anybody. Sometimes you just got to have a presence. You just have to see so you'll know. And I think now when my grown children come to me, I can give them something I didn't have when I was 40 and 30 and even 50. I've learned wisdom. And I give them wisdom. And I tell them all the time, I said, look, don't look at where I used to be at. Look at where my feet have landed. Look at where I'm at today. And the whole transformation, the same thing that I believe can happen with the women and the community that we serve, transformation is huge. You can rewrite your narrative. You can get on the plan of God. That's my scripture, Jeremiah 29 and 11, is that one day I realized that I was on every plan for my life but God's plan. And that was one of those revolutionary kind of breakthroughs for me, spiritually, naturally, physically, emotionally, financially. It was like, Lord, I've never, ever been on your plan. I've never asked you, God, for your wisdom. And life shifted immediately. And I began to walk different, talk different, more confident, less fear, less doubt, less insecurities. There was an awareness and there was a love like no other. I have two wonderful parents and a step-parents, but 
there was nothing like having my father who became the CEO of Sisters in Christ, who guided me, who showed me, who prepared me, who protected me. You know, that's just, and I can't even, like you said, I can't make my kids receive that. But what I can do is walk. I can walk it. I know they know it. The reason I know they know it, because when anything goes on with a friend or a family member, mama, will you pray? Mama, will you pray? And that's what I am. I'm an intercessor. I learned the plan of God for me was to stand in the gap and to be an intercessor, a weeper and a wailer, a crier, you know, an ambassador for him. And so that is powerful in itself because I've learned prayer impacts everything. And if I had anything to change, I would have prayed more in my situation because I believe God would have moved differently had I known. But he also says his people perish because of lack of knowledge, because of ignorance. So when we don't know better, we can't do better. It's just difficult. And so coming into the knowledge of God and coming into his presence and allowing him to perform in Carolyn what he intended from the day I was born has been miraculous for me and my family. And I thank God for that. I thank God for teaching me that even when I don't understand something, trust me, even when you can't see it, trust me, lean not to your own understanding, Carolyn, but acknowledging me in all your ways. And I will direct your path. I had to learn that God is the kind of God he gets around man's protocol. He doesn't have to do it the same way man does it. So I have to learn to be still and know that he's God. And had I had some of that kind of wisdom going through what I was going through, I probably would have lived a much different life. I don't regret anything that I did. I don't. I just think that it was the journey that got me closer to who I know that I serve. And it's been a good experience. And it's been the experience, to be honest, Kelly, that I give the women and the community that I serve every single day. That's what I tell them. You don't have to be what you used to be. You don't have to be a prostitute. You don't have to be a drug addict. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be a poor mother. You don't have to be the young woman that's been abandoned and, and, and misused by a man. You can rewrite all of that. It's a choice. God gave us a choice. It's painful. You need the natural. You need therapy. You might need medication. You might need encouragement, but you also need wisdom. You need knowledge. You need power. You need encouragement from God. You need to learn how to stand in the presence of God. And God's not for everybody, but it's for me. And I don't try to convince everybody. I just say, hey, this is what has worked for Carolyn. I was not the girl that was raised up in church. That wasn't me. I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic church. And I used to say, all we do is sit, kneel, and bow. <laughs> no, that's what I knew. And uh, but I came to learn the word of God. I came to have a relationship with God. I came to spend time with them. And uh, my pain, that that great pain I experienced in my life has turned into what I call my greatest strength. I love it. I love God. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Gratitude can't be big enough. And it's not because I'm rich. It's not because I have everything. It's because I know today, for real, for real, I'm free. I'm free from being in bondage to fear and doubt and insecurities and things like that. I am free. And I know God did that for me. I'm not incarcerated in my mind that I'm not today. I'm free in my mind. And I love the Lord and I thank him for that. It's very humbling. It's encouraging. And as free as I am, he said, I'll make you free. I trust that God can make 
anything that wants to be free, free. If they choose to be, we can live or not die as a choice. So, Amen. I have goosebumps when you're talking about praying, you know, that your boys would call you up and say, pray for me, because that's, they see something in your life that they know is safe, that they know is strength. And it's just an amazing thing. The other thing that I, I've heard several times is community and relationship and being poured into by others and then in turn pouring out to them. And I know that when you came to Kansas City, you had nobody. It was just you. You didn't have family there. You really didn't have that community support. So as you walk through this, how did you find community? How did you find support for yourself and for your family as you walk through the dark times? And after you were set free, how did that community come around to support you? Church was really important, but transparency was more important. I worked at a very large organization, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, and that's where I met the first women that started the organization with And I was sitting and people would come to me and tell me things that I knew I wouldn't have shared. I didn't tell anybody my business. I was sitting there, drugs and losing stuff. and (laughs) I wasn't talking. But I realized that being transparent was huge. And so the more transparent I became, it was like a magnet. And so I learned I was saved by then. So I became this little prayer warrior. I was an intercessor. So I started praying for folk all the time which built a community and it allowed me to learn trust. I didn't always trust everything. I didn't always trust everybody. But the more I prayed, the more I stayed involved in church, the more I felt the leadership in me coming forth was what was attractive. And I'm a very trans person, transparent kind of person and just an open book. I don't I don't try to fake anything. I, it's like I didn't like the facades even in the NBA. I think there was a lot of, it wasn't just being able to be a real, honest, open individual. It was this other kind of world that I just didn't feel like was very transparent. And so that's not what I was. And God taught me that because my parents were working parents and I just never fell into that process. It just wasn't me. And so I just think out of my experiences and even while we were in the NBA, I met some very transparent people in there. They were friends. They helped us get through things. I think of one of them right now, Michael Woodson. He's now coach for Indiana College, I believe, Indianapolis College. And Josie Merriweather was another. He's passed and go on. And But these were people, feel for people that we were around that I was able to learn from. And even though they had some of the same experiences, but they, they had a, a more genuine kind of personality. So I did like that. And I would say even today, one of the biggest things I've learned, and it's a community that I feel like I would love to go back to, is the NBA community, sports community. Because when I look at a young lady like Brittany who lands in Russia because of such foolery, I've been praying for that girl every single day because the loneliness, the fear, the the insecureness, all of it. I'm saying, God, we get these facade kind of lifestyles. and But when reality kicks in, who do you have to hold on to? Who is it that's going to bring you out? And even though she's there, I've been praying and asking God to send somebody, even in Russia, that can minister to that girl, that there's a woman in that room somewhere that can minister to her. And so what I did see with the NBA community, lots of community, 
but still people homeless, people making millions of dollars and they die or they go through great losses and there's nobody there to speak to them about the pain that they're in or the losses that they've had or the facades they've lived. And so, again, it's a world that I know mental health is real, substance abuse is real, family breakup is real, and there is a community that is out here that can gather up around that. And I'm part of that community. So that's what I saw. And now here I am in Kansas City. I work with mayors. I work with chief of police. I work with the school district. I work with all kinds of business owners. You know, I never expected, never, that was never on my radar, but it's here now. And it's a wonderful thing. And I have a, a position as a resource coordinator for a hub here in Raytown where I live at. And all we do is provide resources. We make sure that resources are being provided in our communities. And so being connected to that allowed me to see how important it is to connect in our communities. It makes us stronger. And so my words for this week was strength to strength, Mm -hmm. strength to strength, because we get stronger when we come together, when we come together. And so that was another area I had to let go of some things in order to be able to get in a space of not being afraid because you got to learn to trust processes and people and, you know, plans and strategies. And so as long as I know I'm genuine, I'm really about love. I'm not trying to, I'm 65 years old. I'm not trying to create no position for myself. I don't have to be the next CEO of anything. It's none of that. It's about what can I do to make an imprint before I leave here? What is it that I want to impact before I leave here? And I want to make sure I'm putting my skin that God gave me in the process of making things better, not just for me, but for the community that I serve. And so I've seen a lot in my time and I'm still seeing babies in the sixth and seventh grade that's reading on second grade level. I'm still seeing young women going to prison and not knowing who they are. I'm still seeing families divided. And so when I keep looking at these things, I'm saying, you know what, Lord, this is your harvest. And you ask, who can you send? And so he needs to be able to send us in our communities to make a difference, to make a difference. In fact, whatever your gift is, that's what God wants to use as your gift. And what the enemy does, he keeps our minds so bottled up with foolery, fear, anger, frustration. We can't see clearly. We can't see how good we can impact something. Sometimes just by being present, it just sometimes just showing up. My son had cancer. My oldest son rallied around people there. He's doing well. When he was a young boy, he had all kinds of surgeries. People took care of my son when I was working. I didn't never met the people, but they were there. There were support systems out there, God-given, God-sent people that never met me. They, I never met them, but they came to help. And I had to trust to leave my door open so somebody could go in there and make sure that my son that was in the bed written got to eat, had somebody to play with, somebody helping with his homework. So that was the kind of community that I had. The same community that when I got on hard times, they gave me food. Now I give them food. Now I serve 200 and some families a month. So it turns around, you know, it just does. And so we just have to know. I always say this is that little is much in the master's hands. 
Little is much in the master's hands. As long as you know your heart is right. I'm not in competition with anybody, Kelly. I'm just doing what I believe God has called me to do, even to sit here with you today. Okay, God, before I came out, Lord, whatever you need me to say, I'll say it and keep it moving. Because somebody needs to hear that there is a power greater than themselves. And it's a choice today, whether you want to live it, trust it, believe it, ask for it, knock on the door for it, you know, but he's there. If you, if, it, if it's for you, you'll get it. I promise. You. And the biggest, the biggest takeaway is that you just said, send me. You didn't look at the problem and go, I can't change. I'm just one person. And you said, send me, I'll do what I can. And I think we forget sometimes that God's not calling us to change the world. He's calling us to take that next step and that is going to have a ripple effect. You know, that person that brought a meal to your son, that starts a ripple effect because it ministered to you and then it ministered to him. And that person may never know how many generations that one simple act you know, caused in the kingdom of God. And it's just so important that we step forward and just say, send me. And so I I, I hate that we're almost out of time, but I did want to just ask real quickly, uh, we are going to put a link to your website, which is Sisters in Christ. Uh, And just for a few minutes, can you tell us a little bit about them? And I know you have a big gala coming up in December. Yes, ma'am, I do. Kelly, I've given this gala so much thought. And uh, (laughs) one day I was sitting there, I had this big plan. And the Lord spoke so loudly. He said, look up the word gala. (laughs) I said, okay. I looked up gala. Gala is a celebration. It's a celebration. I know that we're supposed to raise money, but it's a celebration. And I said, okay, Lord, so what are we celebrating? And he spoke so clearly. He said, I want you to celebrate all of the support, all of the people that have been a part of Sisters in Crisis success. I want you to call in the congressmen, call in the judges, call in the attorneys, call in the people of strength. And he was mainly talking about people of color, too, because so many times in our communities, we don't see our own strength. We don't see the power of who we are, the education, the fraternities, the sororities. There's so many of us out here doing some phenomenal things. And so it was like this calling, call it up. And the people of God, the people of God, God is so telling us, stop being so small in your thinking. Trust me, just trust me. And so I met a 90-year-old woman and mother came and we were walking around the facility and mother outwalked all of us that day. Now we're in the biggest facility I've ever been in in my life. I said, oh, mother got to walking and praying and the Jericho walls falling down. But again, it brought back to me generation. There needed to be a generation of a 100-year-old, a 90-year-old, 80-year-old, all the way down to a 10-year-old, because that's what community looks like. Hispanic, Black, white, Christian, non-Christian. It's community. That's what the Lord said. Celebrate that. There's strength in it. So the title of our gala this year was Strength and Unity. And that's what it is. That's how we do that. It's no one denomination, no one race, no one anything. But God's people, we come in tribes. That's how we do. And so bring that together, Carolyn. Put that before the people. And that's going to be your greatest strength. And God said, and I'll take care of the rest. I've done this for about, we've been in, uh, Sisters in Christ's existence for almost 20 years. And out of all of these years, I've 
always. We we brought the food, we bought the pans, we set it up, we cooked, we did it all. But this year, the Lord said, I want you just to go sit down and embrace. And so it was frightening. It was a little frightening because it's way bigger than what we've ever done before. But I said, yes, sir. And he said, I'll supply all your needs. Just trust me. So this gala, I am trusting God that it is just about us connecting again with our community. It's a cultivation of community. It's all of that. And so I'm taking a big stance today and I'm putting it out in the atmosphere. That's what I do. That Lord, somebody will hear the needs because it does take money, Kelly, to keep women housed, to make sure that they get their mental health services met, to feed families, transportation. There's so many needs that just to get kids, sometimes they get kicked off the bus. So we have to come up with Well, how do we keep that child enrolled in school? How do we continue to help that family? How does that baby have clothes to wear? How does mom, she's got things, they need housing. And so not just any kind of housing, I'm talking about stability, where they're going to learn wholeness, where they're going to learn sustainability, where they're going to be able to get educations that are going to allow them to become sustainable and get away from the economic poverty that they experience help them to educate their children in a better way. And so that is another reason we're having this gala because we want to be financially sound. We have three houses right now that are accredited by our national organization, as well as the uh, Department of Mental Health. We have a training center where we train women. We give them the training for jobs and getting careers restarted, going back to college. I have 50-year-olds that are getting a 12th grade education again, and I'm good with that because I encourage them. It's never too late. If you want to go to college, it's never too late. And so those are the things are making sure that their real needs are being met. And at the end of the day, this gala creates something that I love, and it's our network of sisterhood that they can see what real sisterhood looks like. We're not backbiting. We're not trying to be the cutest, but we are sisters and at all levels, and that's what we want to be. And to me, that's something God, sisters in Christ, was something the Lord shared with me. He said, this is not just an organization, Carolyn. Sisters in Christ, Kelly, is a movement. We are all over the world. Every day I pray. Every day I pray for my sisters. On Wednesdays, I pray for women all over the universe because we're a sisterhood. It's just that simple. And so that thing should catch on fire. So I believe our gala is December the 9th. It's at 6 o'clock p.m. If you would make a donation to Sisters in Christ, I pray that it comes back to you 1,000 fold. And you can send that donation to, uh, if you go on our website, which is sistersinchristkc.org, or you can go to Facebook and register there, get a ticket if you're in this community and want to come and see who we are, you're welcome to do that. And if not, we also have a text number that is in our website, embedded in our website, that you can reach out to us. And we would accept it. I don't care how small, how large, it just keeps us moving. And that's what I appreciate. And I've asked God to touch every heart, anybody that touches this ministry ministry, that they would receive God's blessing back in their lives. And I just believe in that. One thing you said, Kelly, and I'm going to drop this and I'm going to hush. You said we have lots of people that are attached to us. I call those remnants. Everywhere we go, just like when I look at the, I was like, I said, what is a big organization? But you all are a remnant. And each one of you serve a remnant. Everybody has a host, a whole host of people behind us. Carolyn Whitney represents thousands. Kelly represents thousands. 
And so that's how we pray. We pray for our remnants and God brings that remnant together and it makes us stronger, if that makes any sense. And it requires resources. So the more we come together as the people of God, the stronger we will become. We, he, God didn't need thousands when he had Gideon. He called for 300. That's what he told him. He said, you don't need all of that to fight that battle. And so that's what I look at today is that we little as much, little as much in God's. And he said, do not despise small beginnings. So Ms. Kelly, I am grateful to be able to be a resource, a conduit, and an advocate for wherever I am, wherever that is God calls us to be. And sometimes, Ms. Kelly, I would say, we don't even have to leave our bedrooms, baby, and we can be making an impact just through our prayer, just through calling out, just through seeking God, and he will take it and put it in the atmosphere and dispatch his angels all around for our sake to take care of people's situations that they don't even know that God has assigned us to. So be our authentic selves, Miss Kelly, that's what we are today, our authentic selves. You, God, as we are. You are definitely an encourager and a cheerleader and a spark. And to just see how you are walking out the hands and feet of Jesus, it's so amazing. And I just want to thank you so much for being with us. And again, the link to her website will be in our show notes. And I just want to thank you for listening. I hope our conversation has deepened your understanding of God and help you rest more fully in His grace. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. And please make sure to share it on social media. We'd be super encouraged if you'd rate it as well, because that helps others to find it. And until next time, may you live with the courage of one who has truly been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcasts. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.